In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, to the ages of all ages, amen. Today's gospel um, is uh, uh, a very very peculiar one. Um, Jesus has been preaching and teaching, and his popularity has been growing, um, and among among his the people who don't really like him that much, the scribes, the Pharisees, they start spreading some stuff about Jesus. They start saying, the only reason he's able to cast out demons is because he is the ruler of the demons, or he is, he is possessed by the ruler of the demons and all of this stuff. And so eventually the word gets to Jesus and uh, Jesus decides to address it. And he explains to them that quite simply, If Satan casts out Satan, his kingdom would would fall apart. And he says to us, and then he he takes it, you're like, okay, well, this is all very nice, but what does this have anything to do with me? He, He applies it directly to us. He makes it directly applicable to us. All of us are part of some smaller social circle or a social construct, be it family or work or a team at work or... Um, whatever it may be. And so he says, a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? And we've seen that a multitude of times where someone is extremely successful, an institution is extremely successful, and then some inner feud happens, and then everything kind of just falls apart. And we don't hear much about that organization anymore, and it's just kind of all goes, goes to nothing. And so Jesus is telling us a very simple and a very obvious, but unfortunately not practiced thing that if we're, whatever you're part of, if it gets divided, it falls apart. And then he goes on to tell us how for that not to happen. So as he's speaking, the house is jam-packed with people. And they tell him, somebody, you know, sends a message, broken telephone, right? To one person, to the next person, till they finally get to Jesus, because the house is so full, right? And the message gets to Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting for you. So he answers the person who said that to him, but he doesn't whisper because everybody heard the message. So he's answering all of them and telling them, who are my mother and who are my brothers? Notice this is the gospel that is right after the feast of St. Mary, which was just on, on, on Thursday, right? So this gospel will almost always be either one day before or a few days after the feast of St. Mary. So he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my father and my sister and my mother. Now, I remember sharing with you all before how um, I kind of took offense to that a little bit. You know, um, there came a time where I learned the expression that you can say to somebody, if you want to tell somebody that, like, they're really close to you, you can say you're like family, you know. But it's probably best not to throw an expression like that around willy-nilly because, you know, 
it's not special anymore if like, hey, you're like family, you're like family. You're like, I've never met you before, but you're like family too, right? Then it like doesn't mean anything anymore, right? But Jesus doesn't say you're like family. Jesus says, you're like my mother. And I'll be honest with you, like all the, you know, you know, women in the, in, in the congregation right now who are a little bit older than me, right? You know, I love you dearly, and you're very precious to me, but my mom is like my mom. Like, nobody's like my mom. And I might tell you you're like family, but to say you're like my mother, like, she's like a one-hit wonder. Everybody, like, everybody has a, well, I hope, you know, for a lot of people, anyways, you know, your, your mom has like a special place in your heart. And to walk around saying anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is like my, is, you're like, you're to me like my mom. That's like, whoa, like, Jesus, what if your mom heard that? And she was probably within earshot, right? And I kind of, I have to say, I kind of took offense to that a little bit, you know, and felt like maybe it was a little insensitive of Jesus to say that, right? But thinking that way, I missed the point. I missed the point. What Jesus is saying is that if you do the will of my Father in heaven, you are just like my mother. You see, an angel came to my mother, says Jesus. He didn't explain it. He didn't unwrap it for you, but I will. Taking on his persona, you see, an angel came to my mother and said to her, would you be willing to be pregnant of the Holy Spirit and carry the Son of God and give birth to the Son of God. And she asks a few questions to make sure she's got it all, understood it all right. And then she says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She basically says, Your will is my command. Your word, let it be done. What surrender what obedience, what, like, if this girl had dreams, if she had wishes, if she had, they all just got sidelined. Like, they all just got put to the side because God has a different plan for you. And in one word, she said, sure. I mean, that's pretty spectacular. God usually comes to me and says, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, okay, but maybe. And I bargain back and forth. And what do I get out of it? And we go through this whole long drown out thing. And in the end, I may end up or may not end up doing what he asked me to do. St. Mary asks a question. How's this going to happen? I don't know, man. He says, the angel tells her the Holy Spirit. And she says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Jesus actually gives us the first principle, which is a house divided in itself against itself cannot stand. And then he gave, gives us the second principle of how to make that happen. How to make that happen is simple and willing obedience. To just submit to the other person. And then the first reading that we read was from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans chapter 16 and it was just a couple of verses but they were so poignant and they were so to the point St. Paul tells us note those who cause divisions and offenses 
contrary to what that which you learned and avoid them. Note the people that cause divisions and cause offenses amongst, amongst you and avoid them. I'm sure all of us have been subject to somebody stirring up smack between people. I'm sure all of us have been on either the receiving end or the giving end or some end of that. Either somebody talking bad about us and getting other people not to like us or somebody talking to us bad about somebody else, trying to get us not to like somebody. St. Paul is saying, you know, you know, whoever started that, just avoid them. Just avoid them. Because if they did that, if they talked bad about somebody else to you, to get you, to, to pit you against somebody else, it's just a matter of time before they start talking bad about you to somebody else, to pit somebody else against you. When people exhibit this behavior, it's typically out of a place of insecurity. So not that I'm anybody to add to the words of St. Paul, but I would say avoid them and maybe pray for them. And maybe say a word of prayer. Say, Lord, I don't know why this person is doing this, but if it's coming from a place of hurt or a place of sadness or a place of brokenness or a, or a place of some unfulfilled expectation, please, Lord, give them, give them comfort. Next up, St. Paul says to us, for your obedience has become known to all. Again, we find this, we find that, you know, the church has placed these readings for us in a specific order to get us ready to hear the gospel, right? So first he says, avoid people who make divisions. And he, then he says to us, your obedience is known to all. Then one of my favorite promises in the whole Bible from beginning to end is right here in Romans sixteen twenty, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet speedily. Say that with me. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet speedily. Say that to yourself 20 times. When stuff's just not going your way, when it seems like a torrential rain of unending calamities is pouring down on your head, pop this umbrella over your head that says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet speedily. How? By your obedience. By your refusal to be divided from the body of Christ. And then St. Peter goes on in the second reading to give us specific instructions. Servants towards their masters. Masters towards their servants. Wives towards their husbands. Husbands towards their wives. And the word submissive is repeated three times. I was listening to this sermon. I listened to a lot of sermons. I listened to eight to twelve, about eight to twelve sermons a week, in addition to audiobooks and all kinds of other stuff. I love hearing other people speak. I never listen to any of my speaking. I, I just can't I just can't can't stomach it. I don't know how you all can, right? God be with you. Uh, but so I was listening to this sermon and uh, it was about relationships and about marriage and so on. And he says, he was saying this, he was saying, look, marriage is the competition of submission. Marriage is the competition of submission. 
See, some people say marriage is about compromise, where, you know, one day we do what I want, the next day we do what you want. This week, you know, we like to go to movies on Tuesday nights. This week we say the, see the chick flick. Well, next week we're going to see the action movie. Pardon the cliches, right? But anyways, right? And we're keeping score and we have a, a little score sheet on the fridge, right? And one for you, one for me. And we have an accountant that comes and checks it once every two weeks and makes sure everybody is equally satisfied and equally dissatisfied. What does that sound like to you? I don't know. Hell, right? Certainly not what I would willingly go into, right? Well, what's the option? One person always gets their will? Well, hopefully not. What are the other options? St. Paul and St. Peter in their writings on, in Scripture about marriage are telling us, submit yourselves one to the other. And this, you, can, you can do this in marriage and you can do this in any environment where this is a mutual agreement between all parties, right? And it ought to be the same in the church. It ought to be the same in the relationship between the priest and the congregation, between the priest and the deacons, the deacons and the priest, between the people and each other. This is what it's supposed to be like, a competition of submission. I know you want to see the chick flick, so guess what we're going to do tonight? We're going to see the chick flick. And guess what we're going to do next Tuesday? We're going to see the chick flick. And guess what we're going to do the Tuesday after that? We're going to see the chick And I want, and I want to, to make my wife happy all the time. And I don't want her to have to sit through a boring movie just because I want to watch it. I can go watch it with my friends. I can go watch it some other time. I can wait for it to get up on Netflix. I can do a million and one things. But when I'm with my wife, I want her to be happy. And she's thinking the same thing. So guess what? We're still arguing. <laughs> We're still fighting. But I'm fighting for her needs, her wants, and she's fighting for my needs and my wants. And I never once have to look over my shoulder and see who's got my back, because I know she's got my back. I know that she always puts her needs second to mine. She always puts her wants second to mine, and I do the same for her. And so now it's a competition of submission. Another example I often give is, you know, my wife and I, whatever, six weeks, 10 weeks after our honeymoon, finally we have a Saturday to do nothing. We wake up in the morning, we have nothing to do. The greatest feeling in the world is to wake up late and have nothing to do and then just go back to bed again, right? And then we both wake up and look at each other and we both, she picks up her favorite book, I pick up whatever I was reading and, uh, and we look at each other and we both have this, that look in our eyes, hmm, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea would be really nice now, right? Now who's going to get out from under the warm covers and go downstairs and brew the coffee, and, right? So we can, we can keep track, keep score of who's going to do what. Or, that's compromise, you did it last time, I'll do it this time. Or, we could say, be racing out of bed to the kitchen, racing out the door, which one of us is going to have the privilege of serving the other person? Which person is going to have the privilege of loving and surrendering to the other person? The competition of submission. That's what St. Peter was talking about in the second epistle. 
If you're in the competition of submission, if you're in the competition of, of can I race out the door first of our bedroom to, make, to brew you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea because I know that's what you would like, the house is bound to stand. The house is bound to stand. And this doesn't just apply to marriage. This applies to work. This applies to... I realized the best way to get what I want at work when I'm working on a team and we're going to divvy up tasks, every morning we would divide up tasks. Some tasks were a lot more enjoyable to do than others. I realized that if I just stood there quietly, I'd always get shafted with the sucky tasks, right? And so I decided that that's not going to work, right? So what I started doing is going to work 10, 15 minutes earlier than everybody else, scoping out the lay of the land, figuring, figuring out what I want to do. And as people arrived, I would tell people, this is what's going on today. This is what we've got to do. These are the tasks. This is what I would like to do, but I want to make sure everybody else has an opportunity to get to do what they want to do as well. Then people would say, oh, I'd like to do this, or I'd like to do that. But at least I had made my desires known, right? Then sometimes you get what you want, sometimes you don't. But if you don't, it's okay. Because I want you to get what you want because that holds us together. That makes us a team. And together we can do so much more than what we could do apart. This spirit of willing surrender to the other. Not being a doormat. You can be assertive. You can be a go-getter. You can be ahead of the game. But I'm willing. I'm willing to surrender to you if that's what's, what it's going to take to keep us together. I'll close with a, a, a quote that I've, I've mentioned before. It's said that Napoleon at one point turned and looked over China from a distance and said, let her sleep. He said, China is a sleeping giant. Let her sleep for when she wakes, she will shake the world. You know what? I believe that the church divided, distorted is a sleeping giant. But the day that she is united, the day that we stand together, the day that we decide that being together is more important than our personal agendas is the day that the church will overtake the world. Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.